Hey, man, is that the Garage Rock Show podcast? Yeah, man. Well, turn it up, man. This is the Garage Rock Show podcast. To those of you already supporting the show with a monthly subscription, thank you. If you're not already a supporter and you'd like to help make this show possible, please tap the link in this episode's description or visit anchor.fm slash the Garage Rock Show to become a monthly supporter. And make sure to check us out online at thegaragerockshow.com and give us a like and a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Garage Rock Show Podcast. And if you like this episode, please take a minute to give us a rating in your Apple or Google store. Now on to this week's episode. It's Friday and it's time for another episode of the Garage Rock Show Podcast. This week, December 4th, 2020, Season 2, Episode 47. We got lots of cool things to talk about. Hopefully you guys had a great Thanksgiving holiday. We took the week off last week, so hopefully you guys got filled in on your own for the rock news of the week. I'm sure you did. Chris Cornell's Fender Jazzmaster guitar is on the auction block. That's the big story this week. Plus, more news on Alice in Chains' tribute performance from this week, uh, this past Tuesday. What a show that was. If you missed it, don't worry. It's going to be released as a compilation album. Black Sabbath has released the details on their Black Sabbath Volume 4 Super Deluxe box set, which is going to be coming out next year. I got the release date and details on what's included. Deftones released the Robert Smith remix off of their Black Stallion remix album to White Pony, which is going to be coming out next Friday on December 11th. Also, The Strokes have released a new single and video directed by Roman Coppola. Pretty trippy music video. We'll let you know about that coming up. All right, so yes, the new releases this week. Uh, not not too many new releases coming out this week and next week, and then that's pretty much it for the year. That's usually how it goes. So this week we got some new albums out on today, December 4th, from the Arctic Monkeys. They're live at the Royal Albert Hall release. Colexico has a new one called Seasonal Shift. Deaf Heaven has one called Ten Years Gone, which is a live collection of songs. I'd like to hear that. I'm sure that would be pretty cool. Joan of Arc, I didn't know this. This is apparently their final album. Uh, it's called Tim, Melina, Theo, and Bobby. So Joan of Arc's got a brand new album out, and it's their last one, so check that out. Seeger Ross has a new album called Odin's Raven's Magic. The White Stripes have a new one called The White Stripes Greatest Hits. Self-explanatory there. Uh, so all right, so let's get to the rock news this week. Uh, this week, December 4th, 2020, Chris Cornell's 1966 Fender guitar is on the auction block. It's a it's a guitar he used on the entire 1994 album Super Unknown during the writing and performing process. It's hitting the auction block. The opening bid is $125,000 for a 1966 Fender Candy Apple Red Jazzmaster. And if you want to check it out, you can go to gottahaverockandroll.com. That's where the auction has taken place. I initially thought this was, oh, Vicky Cornell cleaning out the closet trying to get some money. Uh, this is sad, you know, but actually... There's an interesting story behind this guitar. The late Cornell gifted this guitar to a friend named Chris Bond when he was divorcing Soundgarden manager Susan Silver. It comes with its original case, a note from Bond, a letter of appraisal from Emerald City Guitars, and a certificate of authenticity. Soundgarden Super Unknown, of course, their best-selling album to date, one of the most recognizable guitars in Chris Cornell's uh, career. It's going to fetch a pretty penny. Uh, you can check it out, gottahaverockandroll.com. Speaking of auctions, earlier this week, I didn't even know this happened, several of Eddie Van Halen's iconic guitars, including the legendary Frankenstrat, sold big at auction, snagging a combined $422,000. The sale took place on December 2nd. That was Wednesday of this week. Julian's Auctions, they had a thing called Icons and Idols Trilogy Rock and Roll Auction. It was a customized Frankenstrat Kramer built with the guitar tech Matt Bruck, at Eddie Van Halen's home studio, it sold just that guitar, $231,000. Uh, 
He also had another 2004 Eddie Van Halen Charvel Art Series guitar with like a really cool design on it. That sold for 140000 And even a prop guitar that wasn't even like a really good, you know, fancy guitar. It sold for $50,000 from the band's 1984 Hot for Teacher music video that was shot for MTV. So there you go. Uh, hopefully all that money went to his family. I hope. <laughs> but who knows? Uh, we'll see. Alice in Chains tribute performances to be released as a compilation album. Man, I hope you guys got to check out that Alice in Chains tribute performance on Tuesday. Or, yeah, it was on Tuesday, December 1st. The Museum of Pop Culture presented Alice in Chains with its 14th annual Founders Award. And then they had all these performances, man, from all these cool bands like Duff McKagan, Korn, Mastodon, Metallica, Mark Lanigan, Dave Navarro, Lily Cornell Silver, which was his daughter, she did a really cool track. That was pretty awesome. Allison Chains performed themselves. Aaron Jones, Billy Corgan, Fishbone doing them bones. That was the highlight for me, man. That was so cool. Members of Soundgarden with Tad Doyle, Mike McCready doing Angry Chair. Man, it was killer. And they sound great. I'd love to hear this as an album. So apparently it's going to be released as a compilation album. Meanwhile, the tribute has raised more than $600,000 and counting with more than 275,000 views online throughout the evening. It was pretty awesome. Some of the footage has made its way online. Make sure you check it out. Uh, Very cool. In some other random news, the music video for System of a Down's Chop Suey hit 1 billion views on YouTube this week. The milestone comes only months after before the single will celebrate its 20th anniversary. Pretty crazy. Feel old yet? Uh, new music out today from Death Cab for Cutie. It's a five-song EP called the Georgia EP. The project is exclusively available through Bandcamp for just 24 hours, beginning at 12.01 a.m. today, with all the proceeds going to the Fair Fight Action, Stacey Abrams' voter rights organization that promotes fair elections around the, com- uh, around the country. The EP feature- features covers of iconic artists from the state of Georgia, including TLC, REM, Neutral Milk Hotel, Cat Power and Vic Chestnut. Very cool. Very uh, cool that he decided to highlight some Georgia artists in that. Thought that was pretty neat. Uh, Deftones debut their new teenager remix that was remixed by none, un- none other than The Cure's frontman, Robert Smith. The remix will be a part of the forthcoming White Pony remix album, which is being called Black Stallion, and it's coming out next Friday, December 11th. Um, it's the 20th anniversary of White Pony that they're going to have that's own standalone remixed remastered 20th anniversary of the album but you're also going to get that remix album black stallion which features remixes from bunches of artists and chino moreno told uh nme about the remix quote it's amazing to hear robert rework one of our songs and sneak his voice in there if you'd have told me when i was 15 years old i would have lost my fucking mind and not believed a word you were saying it was a dream end quote and it's pretty cool track i gotta say it's a pretty trippy very lo-fi sounding Robert Smith uh, doing a pretty cool remix on that. Uh, New music out this week from The Strokes as they released a new music video that was directed by none other than Roman Coppola. uh, I think it's the grandson of Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, And the new album is, is called The New Abnormal. That's the one from The Strokes. It's the first new album in seven years. It was released in April of this year. And they're still releasing single by single pretty much every month. They've been releasing a track. And the clip on this one is set in a future populated by superhuman androids. And the band is struggling to hold their own in a baseball game against robot competitors. It's pretty trippy. It's kind of a cool video. Uh, The Strokes received their very first ever Grammy nomination recently for the Best Rock Album for this new album. 
The 63rd Annual Grammy Awards will air on January 31st on CBS, so we'll see if they take home that Grammy. Some more news. Black Sabbath releasing Volume 4 Super Deluxe box set coming out in February. It looks like to be coming out February 12th. That's the release date. The 1972 classic has been newly remastered. 20 previously unreleased studio and live recordings. The set will be available as a 4-CD and 5-LP set. A generous addition of bonus material begins with six previously unreleased studio outtakes from the original sessions. Each one has been newly mixed and uh, includes an instrumental version of Under the Sun. Also, the set includes 11 additional studio recordings, false start snippets of studio dialogue, and more. The The collection concludes with a searing collection of live performances that recreate a typical set list from that tour in March 1973. The recordings were originally slated for a live album that was ultimately shelved, although some of these performances have been previously available in various states, a.k.a. bootlegs. The release marks the first time that a full 1973 live Sabbath show has been recreated. Very cool. Tony Iommi has always uh, been upset with the bootleggers. He hates them. And so I think this is their way of finally going back and getting some of those bootleg albums that uh, the bootleggers got and doing it right and doing it the Sabbath way. So make sure you guys check that out. Coming out February 12th, that new Sabbath Volume 4 box set. Joe Satriani this week speaking up about Eddie Van Halen's reinvention of the electric guitar. And I wanted to share this story with you. This was a pretty cool way of Joe describing just how impactful Eddie Van Halen was with his guitar playing. So Joe Satriani was on Behind the Vinyl podcast and talked about Eddie Van Halen and hearing it uh, for the first time. He said, quote, The first time I heard Eddie was when Eruption came to the radio, and I was sitting there with my guitar just jamming along with the radio, and yeah, my jaw dropped, literally. I put my hands down, and I went, Oh my God, I'm in the presence of greatness. That guy knows how to, th- how to use things that I know. It's like I've got all the tools laid out on my table just like him, but wow, look at what he's doing with them. And it just made me smile. I was so happy. Uh, He went on to say, The other part that made me so happy was because he played so aggressively and so melodically. The whole song. Like it was a whole Eddie Van Halen world that he would just show you. But it was fun. It was rock and roll. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't pretentious. It was still like, let's just have fun. And I thought, I need to get everybody that I know in this town to like this. Because this is going to be good for all of us guitar players that really want to play. End quote. Uh, he also went on to say just about how uh, impressive it was at that time musically what else was on the radio. He went on to say, this is Joe Satriani, quote, I was feeling like people were telling us, slow down, don't play so many notes, no feedback, try and make your guitar sound like clean guitars from the 60s or something like that. We were waiting for someone like Eddie to come along and just reinvent it and knock those doors down. He did, and it was truly great, end quote. I thought that was pretty awesome and very insightful of just how powerful Eddie Van Halen's uh, presence in the rock scene was in the 70s when he when they came out with that. It was, it was unreal. All right, one of the last stories of the rock news this week, Pearl Jam is going to be playing a fundraiser for the Georgia Senate runoff, which is happening Jan- January 5th, excuse me, and it looks like Pearl Jam star uh, Pearl Jam is going to be teaming up with the star of Hamilton, Lin-Manuel Miranda, as well as Wayne Brading hosting the event. And it'll be totally online. It'll be virtual. And it'll take place Wednesday, December 16th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 p.m. Pacific. Uh, And it's going to benefit the Fund of Georgia 
as well as uh, the Latino Victory Project and the Hispanic Federation. Uh, very cool. So I, I think, you know, Pearl Jam's always been kind of that way, kind of political, uh, using their stuff for good for whatever they see fit. So good for them. Uh, some birthdays in the rock world this week. Happy 65th birthday to Billy Idol. Man, 65 years old. He was born William Broad in Stanmore, Middlesex, England. Of course, fronted Generation X and went on to a very successful solo career. We also have another birthday in the rock world this week. Ozzy. That's right. Ozzy Osbourne turning 72. May he live another 72 years, Ozzy. He's doing good, though. He's doing better, I should say. All right. So some trivia for you guys this week in music history trivia. Let's get to it. This week in 1979, this was kind of a tragic one. 11 fans were crushed to death while rushing for general admission seats at this concert at Cincinnati's Riverfront Coliseum. Who was it that they were going to see? Was it A, The Who, B, Led Zeppelin, or C, The Rolling Stones? 1979, 11 fans crushed to death while rushing for the general admission seats at the Who concert in Cincinnati's Riverfront Coliseum. It was the Who. Very tragic. I remember they made a big old statement. They didn't tour the U.S. for a while after that. Uh, it was very tragic. Also this week in music history trivia, another tragic one. Um, on this week in 1986, a lawsuit is filed against this band and CBS Records, alleging that two fans shot themselves after listening to the band's music for six hours all charges are eventually dropped after a very publicized um, court proceeding that uh, kind of inspired Tipper Gore to do all the whole parental advisory things on the records. And this was one of the things that kind of paved the, the way for that to happen. So what band was being sued? Was it A, Judas Priest, B, Black Sabbath, or C, Slayer? Who do you think it was? It was Judas Priest. A lawsuit was filed against them on this week in 1986, alleging that two fans shot themselves after listening to the band's music for six hours. All charges are eventually dropped, and it was the beginning of that whole, you know, parental advisory stuff that we dealt with for almost two decades before it just eventually calmed down. All right, some movie TV entertainment news this week, guys. Marilyn Manson's role in The Stand has been cut. CBS's all-access limited series The Stand, based on the Stephen King novel, uh, had a role with Marilyn Manson. He was known as the kid in the um, in the series. And his cover of the track, The Doors Track The End. Manson did a pretty cool version of that. And it was cut from the series due to budgetary constraints. So I guess he already kind of knew going in that this could be a possibility, and that sucks. But man, I mean, that's got to suck, right? You do all that. You wrote, you do a cool track for the series. You, you, you star in it. You're an actor in it. And, you know get cut from it that's a bummer man hopefully we get to see those scenes maybe those scenes will be um included in some shape or form maybe manson will release them themselves or uh, maybe release that doors track um as a standalone track so that one's coming out december 17th on cbs all access so you can check that out stephen king's the stand more movie tv entertainment news Corey taylor from slipknot starring in a new horror anthology called bad candy which follows local Halloween stories of both myth and lessons learned in the community of New Salem. The film also stars Zach Galligan, who worked, uh, he was in the original guy from Gremlins. He was one of the original kids back then. Uh, So there you go. I guess it's like kind of like Corey Taylor had this quote about it. I'll read it. It says, quote, it's a pretty cool little horror movie that has a linear story going through it, but it's kind of, 
made up different short stories, almost like a creep show kind of format, which is pretty cool, end quote. So there you go. And he's been pretty busy. Uh, He also starred in another horror film called Rucker, which is currently in post-production. So it looks like he's been doing the movie thing this year. Good use of his time. Uh, Some more movie TV entertainment news. Looks like Warner Brothers is is sending the entire 2021 slate of movies to HBO and theaters simultaneously. So all the movies that were slated to come out next year, including Wonder Woman 1984, are going to be landing on HBO Max and theaters at the same time. That includes The Matrix 4, The Dune remake, In the Heights, Sopranos prequel, The Many Saints of Newark, The Little Things, a remake of Tom and Jerry, Godzilla vs. Kong, Mortal Kombat, and The Suicide Squad. Those are all planned to be released in just theaters. Now they will be released in theaters and HBO Max simultaneously. They say it's only for next year. They have no plans to extend this into 2022. Very interesting. We'll see how that works. I kind of like that, you know, be able to watch it from home. Even though that shit's it's like $20 for one of those movies. I'm not really... I haven't done that yet. I think the most I've paid for an on-demand movie at home is 15 bucks, And I don't know, 20 just seems too too much. That's what I pay for two movie theater tickets to go have a nice experience at a movie theater with a nice sound system. Not to watch it on my TV at home with my crappy sound bar, you know, for 20 bucks. Nah. I'll wait till it's on... HBO or something for free, you know. Anyway, have you guys been seeing all that shit about the mysterious monolith, 10-foot-high silvery monolith that was discovered in the remote part of the desert, southeastern Utah? It was found by accident by the state's Aero Bureau during a helicopter flight. Well, it's disappeared just like that, and now there's other ones that are popping up around the country. I don't know if they're imitations. People say that it has a seam and, like, rivets, and you could tell that it was made by somebody. Probably some art, art thing you know i don't know some kind of publicity stunt we'll see in the coming weeks so how do you guys um thaw your turkey for thanksgiving you'd be like most normal people and put it in the fridge maybe in the garage uh something like that well a florida man went viral after he posted a video on facebook showing his family tradition apparently they've been doing this for 18 years they thaw out their Thanksgiving turkey in their backyard swimming pool. That's right. He shared this video which showed his family dumping their 16-pound bird into their Clearwater home swimming pool. O'Donnell explained that the turkey's packaging was closely examined for leaks before and before the thawing process so to ensure no chlorinated water would seep in and added that the turkey would be removed after spending a day thawing in the pool. This is something his family has been doing for 18 years. And I guess they're still alive and they haven't died from salmonella yet so it must be working just thought it was kind of crazy all right that does it for me guys i'm out of here uh enjoy your week and we'll see you next week with uh, all the latest rock news of the week and make sure you give us a like and a follow on instagram facebook at garage rock show podcast give us a like and a follow on twitter as well at garage rock show all of our links are up every week on nine different platforms at the garage rock if you enjoyed our episode please rate our podcast in the Apple and Google stores. The ratings do help get us more attention. We appreciate it. And if you know somebody that enjoys rock news, uh, let them know about the podcast. We appreciate it, guys. And we'll see you next week. Have a good one. Peace.
By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents and the design of this podcast are property of the Garage Rock Show or used by TGRS with permission and are protected under U.S. and international copyright and trademark laws. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional advice. The third-party materials or content of any third-party site referenced in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinion standards or policies of the garage rock show tgrs assumes no responsibility or liability for the accuracy or completeness of the content contained in third-party materials or on third-party sites referenced in this podcast or the compliance with applicable laws of such materials and or links referenced herein this disclaimer is posted in full at the garage rock show.com